Welcome to BDO Talks Arissa, a monthly podcast recorded live at BDO. Each month, we'll be talking best practices around all things Arissa, how to avoid common compliance issues, how to navigate the tricky ins and outs of Arissa's fiduciary provisions, and discussing our own experiences working for BDO's Arissa Services Group and the insights we share through the Arissa Center of Excellence. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Welcome to another podcast of Video Talks Arissa. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Beth Garner, the National Practice Leader for BDO's EBP Audit Group, and I am one of your co-hosts for this episode. Of course, with me today is my co-host, Joanne Zupka. She's a partner in our Philly office, as most of you are aware. Hello, Beth. I'm happy to be back on uh, as we... Uh, Look for the change in in the seasons and uh, dive into kind of year end wrap up. What uh, is it cold we, there? It's freezing. It's freezing here, and I'm not going to I'm not going to share the temp because then you'll laugh at me. No. Yeah, don't. Yeah, my 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 kids had to wear pants to school. You know that's like devastating in the south. So I digress. <clears throat> so we're here to talk today about cybersecurity. New cybersecurity guidelines were announced on April the 14th by the Department of Labor officials. Obviously, the EVP industry operates online, and we all know that there's has always been this level of cyber risk within the employee benefit plan industry. You know, this, of course, has increased over the years as more and more activity is conducted online and the world becomes more connected. With the amount of money currently residing in retirement plans, and I always love to talk about how much money is here. Of course, this is before a bunch of money went back. So, topping $6 billion, mm-hmm. you know, risk is high and the impacts of a breach, it, it it's severe. However, up until recently, expectations around who is responsible for mitigating those risks were not really clear. Now, we all can acknowledge that the fiduciaries of the plan hold plan responsibilities, but nothing was really truly outlined from a DOL perspective regarding this topic. Oh, no, you're, you're absolutely right, right? Earlier, we had a previous podcast on cybersecurity and talked about those new cybersecurity guidelines from the DOL. Um, And we want to remind our listeners that that podcast um, looked at the new guidance that was a response to the Government Accountability Office, or GAO's, report issued in February of 2021. Specifically in that report, the GAO asked the DOL um, to look at the following. Formerly state whether cybersecurity for private sector employer-sponsored defined contribution retirement plans is a planned fiduciary responsibility under RISCA, and asked the Secretary of Labor to develop and issue guidance that identifies minimum expectations for mitigating cybersecurity risk, outlining specific requirements that should be taken by all entities involving in the administration of the plan. Now, just to know that those guidelines were issued in April of 2021. And just a reminder, they're guidelines, right? They're not regulations. Right. Now, the this guidance that we're we're talking about, you know, was announced in a news release from the Department of Labor and it targeted 
um, it was target, sorry, it was targeted at plan sponsors, plan fiduciaries, record keepers, and plan participants. And it, and it essentially came in three forms. Tips for hiring a service provider, cybersecurity program best practices, and online security tips. So, I know. I'm, I'm not sure that we've done a podcast that we talked that much at the very beginning, but we had to get out that background to get everybody warmed up for our guests today. We have Greg She with us today. Greg is a partner in our digital security and compliance practice. He works with clients to holistically evaluate risk, governance, security, regulatory, and compliance standards. He has spoken at many conferences and other forums, and he has over 25 years of experience in this area. Greg, we're excited to have you today. Thank you very much, Beth. I'm happy to be here talking with you about this fun, fun topic. We're such dorks to think this is a fun, fun topic, but it really is. It's top of mind. It is Um, top of mind. But Greg, before we get into the heavy hitting stuff about cybersecurity, um, and you're so grateful to be here, why don't you uh, tell us something personal about yourself? What are you up to these days? What am I up to these days? You know, so um, we, our team, pre-pandemic, enjoyed getting together with our clients and working through some of the topics we're going to talk about. And since the pandemic occurred, everybody got used to working remotely. And so we're, we're just trying to keep up the pace from a remote environment and working with our our clients to try to get back, you know, face-to-face. It's more efficient, more effective. And and on a personal note, I can tell you that my wife is also pushing me to get back in front of clients too versus sitting home every day working working the way we do. But I understand, you know, it, it might take a little time before we get back to a more normal or more like it used to be. But we'll see. We'll see. So we're, we're continuing to do what we can do remotely with uh, the focus of, of trying to get some more efficiencies in place. So that's what I'm doing. It's it's not a fun task necessarily, but just trying to stay efficient and effective in today's world. While staying out of the personal space of your significant other, yeah. I think all of us on here can agree, can relate to that. <laughs> oh yeah. My husband claimed this past weekend that I go nowhere. I'm like nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're 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 all trying to stay in our four by four square, right? That's what we have allocated to exactly. us here. <laughs> And of course, he tells me all the time I'm too loud. So he got he actually goes to his office every day. Beth, Beth <laughs> you and I have a lot in common with the the be <laughs> too loud comments. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, Greg, thank you so much for being here. We always like to have our BDO professionals to you know, talk with us, and um, so the DOL cybersecurity program practice is the number one item is for the plan service providers to have a formal, well-documented, you know, cybersecurity program. All right. So let's give a little bit more background. According to the DOL, a sound cybersecurity program identifies and assesses internal and external cybersecurity risks that may threaten the confidentiality, integrity, or availability of stored non-public information. Under the program, The organization fully implements well-documented information security policies, procedures, guidelines, and standards. 
to protect the security of the IT infrastructure and data stored on the system. Okay, that's a lot. That is then followed up by the best practices outlines 18 data points under formal and effective policies and procedures. Greg, we're not going to ask you, and we're not going to go into detail on all 18 data points, um, but one area we wanted to talk about, and we see this all the time, is one misconception that we see is that plan sponsors go, well, these 18 data points are covered in our service provider. We get a SOC 1 report. Now, we do know that a SOC 1 report covers the controls over a financial reporting. That does not cover the cybersecurity areas. There is something that's out there that's called a SOC 2 report, and I believe that covers technology. Um, can you kind of expand on the SOC 2 report and whether or not um, this report would be helpful in maybe uh, reaching some of these 18 data points from the DOL? Sure. So um, just real quick, you know, from the compliance and the security side mm -hmm. of things, and that's what we do and that's what our group does when you're talking about even the policies and procedures and processes that an organization has to have in place, even if they say, you know, hey, we outsource this, we're good. When we would come in and take a look at it, we'd say, that's great, but how have you identified that in your own policies, procedures, processes? You still need some kind of formal documentation internally as an organization versus just saying, I outsource these things. Um, agree with you, the SOC 1 is intended more from the financial reporting processes and, and controls associated with that. And um, some listening to this may say, hey, I've, I've even seen SOC 1 that have a lot of technology controls, uh, which maybe, but usually those are more general controls types of testing that's done mm -hmm. versus as you're discussing, the SOC 2 is intended to have more focus around a, a broader set of technology controls. There, there are sec specific security controls, but there may be other controls around like processing integrity or data elements and so forth. Uh, and so, so again, that's a good thing to ask your provider, you know, what they have and um, what it covers. But to your point, it may not necessarily just blanket all um, 18 items or 12 items or anything in the in the control section there just from an automatic standpoint uh, be, because that SOC 2 again while it has more emphasis on uh, security controls or other controls outside of just the financial reporting it still is based on what the scope of the company has put in place for the testing of that report. Um, and, and also, Joanne, I would say it is one piece to look at that uh, a service provider may have that you can read through and gain an understanding of what the controls are, but it is not just the only thing that you should rely on when you're using other parties that may have your data or may be doing processing or are helping you understand where the security is around technology systems. So do you think in our industry though that, and that's accounting industry, but obviously looking at retirement plans, but so do you think that there's going to be an increase in the ask of the of a preparation of the SOC 2 reports? Uh, 
Yeah, very good question. Uh, and we are seeing that with uh, the clients we work with where when they are providing services to others or even when they're deciding on which companies they should work with, um, the SOC 2 is a very common discussion topic. And and the reason is, is again, a SOC 2 has a, a nice set of controls that help cover a lot of different pieces of the environment, including not only security, but but may also include some of the processing of information. And what it also allows is that that company can show that a, a, an independent group came in and evaluated the controls, tested the controls, determined, you know, if they were functioning as they should, and then issue that formal report for mm-hmm. me as the recipient to use. So yes, I, I think as all of us keep relying on others to do their job, this is again one method that can help give us a, a, a baseline level of understanding what that vendor, third party, other other business um, organization that we're working with, what they have in place, what they have put in place. Right. Because I mean, if you're, if you, if you're looking at a service provider and you're outsourcing, of course you can ask them for a policy. That's right. great. But we all know having a policy and following a policy is two different things. Correct. And so that is part of the intent of this right. type of report is to say, hey, hey, service provider, you say you have policies and procedures. Let's take a look at that. Let's test them. Let's see how often they've been updated or when they've been updated. Let's see what you have in place for if you should have an incident, you know, how you would notify others. How would you address that? How would you escalate it? Um, you know, those kinds of things would be part, could be part of uh, this SOC 2 report. And even um, what's also more common today is we're talking about service providers and using a service provider for different functionality uh, activities. Well, service providers may also use other service providers to help complete tasks. So uh, an, an example is like if I am outsourcing some type of activity to a service provider, they may use AWS or Google or Microsoft to host their solutions or provide some of the pieces they need as part of their solutions. So they the the organization that is helping with this SOC 2 would also look at those um, other parties that are helping provide these services. So seeing what kind of vendor management program is in place for the service provider when they're using service providers. And there's different terms for that. There might be, you know, sometimes it's called a third party for the service provider we're using, and that becomes a fourth party uh, embedded in this or outsourced uh, service providers. Uh, But it's not just the company we are working with. It's who else are they working with that comes into play with this. And so this SOC 2 report helps start taking that in a, into account, too. Okay. Other so things. Enough. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. No, go ahead. 
Yeah, other things with, again, either the the SOC 1, which is around financial reporting and difference between that and the SOC 2 is usually that SOC 1 is very focused on more of a set of applications or solutions or activities around the financial reporting. So again, even if it has some level of technology controls built in it, it's probably a narrower scope than what you than what you may want to see while that SOC 2 uh, usually broadens the scope. Um, but getting to your earlier point Greg right whether it's a SOC 1 or SOC 2 depending on what you're looking for and what you're trying to get out of the report that's only the beginning because the plan sponsor or the company needs to also have their own policies and procedures in place. Yeah, that is correct, because if your employees connect into your systems or even connect into the systems that may be managed by that service provider, it is likely your responsibility as to how do they connect? Do they have MFA? Are they connecting using a VPN? And again, if you say, well, hey, that's what my service provider should be providing to us, that's great, but have you validated that? Does it occur that way? Is it in that SOC 2 report or not? Is that covered from a testing uh, perspective? Uh, and and you will want to put those in your policies and procedures to say, hey, for service providers that we use, this is their responsibility for items that aren't part of this data environment or this technology, you still want to address that somehow in your own in your own policies and procedures. You can you can outsource functionality and you can to some extent outsource the risk depending on what the service provider is offering you, but you cannot totally eliminate your responsibility. If something goes wrong with that service provider, it comes back to you as an organization because you are the one that contracted with them. Uh, so that is that's still going to be, again, in line with what you need to pay attention to. Okay, so I'm not sure where this may or may not fall into it, but Another item that was on the DOL's uh, guidance was a prudent annual risk assessment, um, right? And the risk assessment is an effort to identify, estimate, and prioritize information system risk. Um, can you give a little bit more in depth about what is a prudent annual risk assessment? Yeah, that's... <laughs> um... When I figure that out, I'll be a very, very happy person. But yeah, so a, pr a prudent risk assessment is really, there's there's different frameworks out there that can help. Um, and when I say that, it's like, depending on what your environment is and what you've outsourced or what you're taking on for responsibility, you would want to go through and evaluate in combination with your maybe your finance team, your IT team, and and again, even if you're saying, well, I outsource IT, you should have them be part of the risk assessment. And it is it is looking at what do we manage as an organization, what data do we have access to or in place, how that data is handled, what third parties do we use, how have we gone through the right due diligence, how do we do this annually, what's going on in the overall environment, do I pay attention to, you know, um, threats out there from ransomware or from, you know, what could go wrong within our own organization. And so that risk assessment, a prudent risk assessment is is truly looking at 
the people side, the technology side, the processes and the data elements and determining where is our risk and how did we determine it's a high risk or a medium risk or a low risk or accepting whatever types of risks are identified. Uh, and so it's not just a, a one size fits all that risk assessment and what does apply can vary uh, to some extent depending on the maturity of the organization, you know, what kind of control structure they is in place for the organization, and then these other components as to what's managed internally or outsourced. Um, and maybe I'll try to put an example around that where if um, there's you have more that you're managing from a data or is um, under, under your own umbrella versus outsourced, you know, then do you have the adequate number of people overseeing that or they're trained or they're um, helping from securing that data or again if a third party is responsible for that for outsourced IT you know do they have the training do they have the skills and resources assigned to you as a client you know do they have available 7 by 24 if you need that those those components can change from a risk perspective depending on what's managed from a systems and a data perspective. So, so the prudent risk assessment is truly taking a look at what you have and, and the data and the people and the technology that are part of that and, and walking through the assessment accordingly. And we also know, um, really, I think the DOL just wants them to do annual risk assessments. Prudence yeah. is one of the foundations for fiduciary responsibility, so. Yeah. Yep. And and I think the annual is adequate as long as throughout the year you, you can show that you're still paying attention to, you know, any potential change in landscape that may be occurring from, you know, hackers or or you know for a while there, and it's it's over a few years ago. You know, hospitals all of a sudden popped up as a target and more outside of the U.S. than inside the U.S. But there was a a certain um, uh, vulnerability that was hitting a lot of systems in the healthcare area. And prior to that, you know, the cities, uh, large cities were kind of a target based on how they operated and systems, you know, so I guess just watching and seeing what's going on uh, from a day-to-day -day basis may change even from a risk perspective, how you approach something. Wow, I think we learned a lot today uh, regarding um, cybersecurity and, and the data points and what plan sponsors um, can possibly do. So we really appreciate having you today. And um, I really think the plan sponsors probably should take a look at their systems to make sure they've properly followed these best practices that have been outlined. Yeah, and one last piece, Beth, if you don't mind, on, on any of these reports that you may receive from a service provider, please make sure, you, I know they're not exciting reports, but please make sure you read them and understand the content we have seen. You know, the reports are accurate and they're, they're, they do what they're supposed to do, but maybe they haven't addressed the systems or solutions or services that you're contracting for with an organization, with a service provider. So then that means that what you're expecting, if it's not in the report, you need to then, you know, do something else to get comfort that, that the services you are receiving have somehow been tested. Lots of things for for our those charged with governance and plan sponsors to think about. Um, 
while you may have to ask some questions, you know, you also have to evaluate the information that you're receiving. Yeah, it's again, it's outsourcing seems to be, uh, hey, I, I, I get to not think about these things, but it's just different things that you have to think about when you're working with others. Yeah, for years, people would get the SOC 1 report and not even review it. And we're like, yeah, you got to review it. That doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining us today as we talked about cybersecurity and the DOL's uh, guidance that they put out there. Uh, We definitely did not think that you talked too loudly on the podcast. We heard you loud and clear. We thought it was fine. And uh, we, uh, we greatly appreciate you being on with us. Pleasure. Pleasure talking with you about this. And and again, I know I'm a little bit of a nerd, but when it comes to security and compliance, our, our, our team's goal is just to try to assist companies understand. So if you have any other questions, please let me know. Our BDO, Arista Center of Excellence on BDO.com, touches on all topics, retirement and other HR trends to keep plan sponsors up to date. Thank you for listening to Video Talks Arissa. Past episodes and information about how to join us for our next live recordings are available at bdo.com slash Arissa. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on BDO's Arissa Center of Excellence and the services we provide, visit bdo.com slash Arissa.